0: Oh, I love the Lord with all my heart, and I realized just, you know, we, this morning, oh, this, this week, I've been wrestling with uh, the Scripture, this, what, what to bring on Sunday, and I felt the Lord say, I need to just talk about the gospel message. And those uh, of you know, I love expounding on, on the Word of God, I love the deep truths of God, and learning about His ways. And that is amazing in itself. And uh, because those things are not just to make us cleverer. Those things are to make us more in love with Jesus. And, um, you know, I, I just remember just, you know, how David says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And, and we need to go back to the joy of the, of the original gospel of Jesus. And, uh, and so this morning, I'm going to do, do that this morning. And I, like I say, everything in me wants to go deeper in God because it brings deeper conviction and it brings in more intimate worship. And so we grow in the Lord. We become more like Him. And so those things are good in itself. But I felt the Lord say, I want, to, I want you to share the gospel. And, uh, and so I'm going to be just just focusing on that this morning. And And, and the reason I felt to do that is... Because I'm not going to presume everybody sitting here has heard the gospel. And, uh, but not only that, for you who have heard the gospel, I want to challenge you this morning. Like I've been challenging myself. Um, you know, one of the, the things that Jesus said to His disciples, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of man. Think of that. Just stop for a moment. Come and follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. If I look in this room, how many new people have you brought to the Lord? Because part of the the obedience of us following Jesus is that we should be bringing people through. We should be bringing people to the Lord because that's what it means. He says, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. So the, the question of God this morning is if no one's new here, and I, I'm challenging myself, if no one's new that's sitting next to you, are you really following Jesus? It's hard, because <laughs> that's that's the fruit of obedience, of following Him. So, it's quite challenging, isn't it? I <laughs> hear <laughs> yeah, 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 that one. I hear that amen. But, uh, but I, I've been thinking about it, because, you know, it's 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 kind of like let me give you an illustration. I uh, Paul Paul where is he? He's not. Oh, he's in kids' church, but he caught me in the fishing tackle one day. And I, in the shop, and I was busy looking at sinkers, and I thought, well, you know, I'm going to go fishing one day, and I, I just want the gear. <laughs> I want it ready. So Paul sees me and says, "Ah, oh, I didn't know you into fishing." I said, "Yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to kind of." look bad, you know, so I was like, well, I haven't been fishing, in my wife would say years, since the last time I had my fishing license, which expired many years ago, but anyway, so Paul automatically presumes I'm part of the fishing club, and he adds me to this group that Quentin's part of, and, and I think there's a few other guys, Chris, and, you know, it's kind of like us, you know, I'm, I'm part of the group, I'm in the group, but Jock, when I think you're probably the last guy to go fishing, or Paul was the last guy to go fishing. And we post our our thing every now and then on the WhatsApp group. But I haven't been fishing probably for eight months, nine months, but yet I'm part of this fishing group. And you know, church is like that. This is a place where we get equipped. This is a place where we get the tackle. You know, this is a place where we glorify Jesus, we build each other up in the faith, But the fish is out there, it's not in the fishing shop, (laughs) you know, it's in the sea, it's in the estuaries, it's in the dams, it's in the lakes, it's in the rivers, that's where the fish is. This is the place where we get the tackle, this is the place where God equips us. We build each other in the faith and say, let's go out there. Yes, it's a hard world out there, but I'm following Jesus and the result of following Him is I should be getting fish. When last have you caught fish? And, Jesus, and let's face it, Jesus said the harvest is ripe. It's ready for the taking. So, the question is, is it really the harvest that's the problem? Or are we really being obedient in how we follow Jesus? Because if I'm following Him, I, I think when He means follow me, we should actually be listening. You know, we should be listening for His voice. Sorry, I just my machine stuck here a bit. And, uh... Yeah, it's just, it's coming back to the realization that Jesus is coming back for His bride. And you know, the thing is, we, we can say, well, Benny, I'm, I'm more into ministry. I love worship, or I love to teach, or I love to pastor. So, you know, catching fish is not really my thing, but we've actually all been called. Our primary ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. Every other ministry is kind of secondary to that. Yes, we're called to build into the body of Christ within our individual ministries. But every single one of us have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That is God imploring through us. The urgency is within us. Be reconciled to God. That should be in the nature of going out. Whether we go to school or university or the shops to the workplace, there should be an urgency crying out of us constantly. God, who's the next person that you want to save? Who's that person that you want to bring through? Because it should be in us. It says, it's God's word imploring through us, be reconciled to God. That's the ministry of reconciliation. That's the ministry all of us have been given. And, and it's really coming to back to the place that Jesus, we've been singing the Lamb, you know, the Lamb who was slain. You know, Jesus came and died for the world, it says. He died for every single person. And we sing about it, and we glorify the lamb, but you know, Jesus is coming back again. But now we can declare Him as the lamb who was slain, He was the lamb full of grace and mercy, and we can display that grace and mercy to the lost. But you know what? Jesus is coming back, but He's not going to come back as a lamb, He's going to come back as a lion. The Bible says that. And. Uh, the Bible says he's going to come back with his angels, an army of angels with him. And he's not going to come back with mercy and grace. He's going to come back with justice and judgment. He's going to come back, the Bible says um, in Revelation, that he's, he, he's going to come back with a sword in his hand, with fire in his eyes. Now, I don't know about you, it's kind of intimidating when, when Revelation paints that picture of Jesus like that. It says that his, his robe is going to be red. And it's not because of the dye that he put into that robe. It's going to be red. It's going to be soaked by the blood of the people he's going to slay one day. Now, I don't know if you've heard that gospel before. It's quite heavy, isn't it? His robe is going to be blood dripped. You thought Braveheart looks bad. This is going to look worse. And it's not the dye; it's going to be people who die, who's going to color that robe of His. Hard, hey? A hard gospel. And I want to bring it like that because I want us to see the, the urgency of it. I want us to see that, yes, the Lamb is slain, He's, he's died for us. I want, I want you to see the picture of His grace and His mercy and that He loves us. That's why He went to the cross on our behalf. But it's not going to stay there. That's not the only picture that we have of Jesus. This is the other picture, the picture that we don't always see about Jesus. And uh, I don't know about you guys, I I get these pop-ups on my phone every now and then. And uh, every now and then, I don't know if you guys get it, but on that pop-up, you get this meteor or this asteroid. And on the headlines, it says, asteroid heading to earth. Have you ever get those? And, I mean, your first thing is, I want to check this out. You know, I've got, to, I've got to know. And you click on it, and it's one of these links, and you follow it, and then, okay, there's an asteroid that's missed us. It's about 900,000 miles away. But, whoa, what a near miss, you know. But, but, the, but the headline says, asteroid heading towards Earth. So, but is it? You know, it's like this rock, this big rock that's heading. To, and then when you click and you go into it, oh, it's like thousands of miles away. But you know what? There is a rock coming towards earth. There is a rock, the Bible says. That Jesus is that rock. In fact, he's he's called himself the rock of offense. But then he says this, everyone who falls on this rock will be broken. Do you know, when I came to know Jesus, he broke me. When I landed on the person of Jesus... And I came to the revelation of who who He was, of His righteousness, of His justice. I realized what I wasn't. I realized how I fell short of the glory of this King. And He broke me. And you know, everything that I thought was good, everything that I thought was right, I realized in comparison to the glory of who He was, like Paul says, I counted as filthy rags. I want to ask you today, have you fallen on that rock? We, we, we've been talking about this. We've become a living sacrifice. You know, we are constantly broken on the rock of Jesus because he constantly contradicts you and he constantly contradicts me in how we view him as alive. And then he challenges us to redefine what you mean by life. When we say we've got this, we say we're right, we say these things, but, but our lives can reflect something that is contrary to who He is, to His glory. And God has to break me to make me more like His Son, Jesus. And you know, joining this church, you guys have been part of that breaking process in my life. And I thank God for you. I thank God for the sanctifying work that's happening in me through you. If I'm not challenged by you, you're not part of that process. And I want to say, don't, don't get too sensitive to my feelings. Carry on challenging me. I know I don't always make it as a father. I don't always make it as a, as a good husband. And there's times that I do feel unqualified, but it's at that place where, where just the love that comes with that rebuke, the love that comes with that truth, because you want to see me be more like Jesus. And yes, I break on that rock. But the Bible says that rock is coming back one day. And everybody that's not broken on that rock is going to find themselves under that rock. And everybody that's under that rock, the Bible says, will be crushed. That's quite heavy. There is a rock coming towards earth, and it's heading this way. And it's not going to be a near miss. You know, when Jesus comes back, Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that He's Lord. That's quite a heavy word, I know. And you know, the funny thing is, Jesus warns His disciples, He says this to them, He says, Don't be fooled, there's going to be many Christ's who are going to come, many people who pretend to be Christ, they're actually the Antichrist, but when I come, you'll know. You know, when Jesus comes, He's not going to need an announcement. Did you know that? It's not going to be broadcast on CNN or BBC. Uh, we think that the Christ is here. You know, or anybody who professes that He's Christ. You know, when Jesus comes, He said this to, to the disciples. Don't, don't be fooled by people who claim they're Jesus or they say they're Christ who come. He says this in Matthew 24, verse 27. Did I give you that one, Martins? If it's not, it's fine. It says... For as lightning comes from the east to the west, so it shall be when the Son of Man returns. Let me tell you, there's no dodging. There's no, uh, is this God? You will know when Jesus returns. That's what it says. And the question I've got to ask you is, have you found yourself on the rock? Have you found, as Jesus said, He's a rock of offense? You know... The first place when we come to that salvation is that we realize we are sinners. We realize we've messed up. We realize we've missed the mark. And it should break you. If it hasn't broken you, you haven't come to that revelation yet. I can't bring that revelation to you. The Holy Spirit can. The Bible says He convicts. But I can tell you this, that all of us have fallen short of His glory. So how does God break us? Well, He brings us to a place of repentance. You know, I'm just reminded in Acts when, when Peter preaches the salvation message for the first time and the church's birth, it says when he preached that, he said, this Christ whom you crucified, and he, and he really gives it to the people just how they've missed the mark and how they've fallen short of the glory of God, and then it says they were cut to the heart. You see, that's what the gospel message should do to every single one of us. It needs to cut us to the heart. And I don't believe it's a once-off. It's a constant thing. And I know you might haven't heard this gospel. You know, it hasn't maybe been presented to you like this. And I don't want to apologize for it because I feel almost like God wants to give us the full gospel this morning. And uh, in doing so... It's like coming to the place of realizing that the consequences of sin, isn't that it just makes us bad? The consequences of sin is that it bleeds to death, the Bible says, and that's in Romans 6, 23. And you might say, well, Benny, you know, I'm not a bad person. I haven't done this wrong or that wrong. You know, Jesus uses the illustration of Matthew 5, and I love it. It's on the Sermon on the Mount, and He, and he kind of pulls us all in to a realization of some truth. And I want to share that. He says, he says this, I'm going to paraphrase, but he, but he says, you know, if you had anger towards your brother, it's like you've committed murder. You think of that. Who here has had anger? Come on, who's, who's been angry? I mean, you might say, oh, I'm miffed. I'm no, no, who's been angry? Jesus says that is equivalent to Murder. He says, if you've lusted for a woman, that's like adultery. I'll guarantee you, I'll say, who's lusted? you probably have less hands coming up now. But you know what? All of us have fallen short of that. But Jesus, the amazing thing of this, Jesus doesn't separate our desires from our actions. Notice that. He kind of puts them all in the same box. But God, I didn't do the actual thing. No, no, you're part of it. Yeah, think of it. He doesn't separate the action from the desire. Why? Because He knows He wants to take us deeper into realization that every single one of us, right to the core of who we are, is what makes us a sinner. You know, I don't, I'm not a sinner because I do bad things. I'm a sinner because it's within me. And because it's within me, I do bad things. Do you, do you get it? And Jesus wants to bring us to the place, to the core of where sin is. And it's here. And uh, the disciples came to that. Because if you go now to Matthew, because Jesus is sharing this all on the Sermon on the Mount of Matthew. And he says, you know, even if your thoughts are there, your actions are there. And then in verse 48, he says, Therefore... He says this, verse 48, he kind of ends it. He says, therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, that kind of, I don't know if you've ever walked away from a sermon thinking, yo, man, I feel good. Think of it. Jesus said, oh, you you guys, you thought the bar was here. He throws it into the clouds. He says, there's the bar. You thought the bar was here. The Pharisees were probably... Probably the closest guys to feel like, hey, we, we, we're there. This is how you do it. You know, this is how you step over the bar. Come, guys, follow me. And Jesus says, no, no, that's not where the bar is. Think of that. Think of that. He wanted to get us to the place that we realize you cannot do it. And the disciples came to that point because it even says that, I think it's, uh, let me just find it quickly. Yeah, Luke 18, 26. Did I give you that one? Great. He says this, and when those who heard it said, who then can be saved? I think, just stop there. That's like, we got to get to that revelation that the disciples came to that point. Who then can be saved? Jesus, if you put the bar in the sky, I mean, I've been trained for high jump and I can do well, but now you say it's up there. It's impossible. And then Jesus says this, but he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Do you see why Jesus brought it? He had to bring the reality that you cannot do it. So to reach, but he didn't bring the bar down. I think, okay, so therefore, okay, it's impossible. No, no, he says, but with God, it is possible. So it's like God saying, but you still got to reach that mark, but you're not going to reach it in yourself. You're going to reach it in me. God's with me. And you see, and like I shared just now, that, that salvation, is, you know, it's not about us doing good things, but it's about, it starts in the core of who we are. And you know, God knew the redemptive work had to be from here, and He even prophesied that before He even sent His Son. In Ezekiel 36, He did. You can turn there for me. It says here, and I will give you a new heart and put a a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of the flesh, and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. In other words, cause you to walk in the ways that I've got for you, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Do you see, God is not separating the fact that you're still going to be doing those things. He hasn't brought the bar down and said, well, no, I just put it up there because I knew you guys couldn't do it, but don't worry, you can just receive me and that's it. No, He says, you're going to do those things. Do you get it? You're still going to do it. The bar is up there, but you're going to to go up there. You're going to reach it, but you're going to do it in me. See, sometimes we think, oh, well, it's impossible, so therefore we don't do it. No, you're still going to do it. You're just going to do it in Him and not in you. And I love Ezekiel's picture because he says, you know, I'm going I'm to replace the heart of stone. You know, even our hearts, our desires don't even want to do it. God says, you, 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 your mind is carnal. It's actually against me. It wars against me. It doesn't want to do it. But because of that, because your heart is so leaning towards sin and it's pulled by that, I have to actually replace your heart. I have to do an open heart surgery. I need to replace your heart. That's, that's how God works. And he, and he needs to replace that within us. And... Uh, you know, it's like we, you know, we, it's in the core of who we are. But how did it get there? Well, it came through Adam. It came through Adam. When he sinned, it says that sin nature came to us. You know, you've inherited your great-grandfather Adam's genes. Now, I'm not talking about his Levi's, okay, or his leaf vase. Oh, that's a dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> now... I'm talking about, I mean, have you ever, as parents, you know, say, oh, he's got his mom's nose, you know, your kids, or he's got his mom's mouth or his dad's eyes. Well, actually, all of us have got Adam's nature, every single one of us, even you. I mean, who's had to teach their kids to be naughty? Huh? Ah, uh, no, huh? Liars go to hell. <laughs> But Romans 5.12 says, therefore, just as through one man's sin. Now, who's that? That's Adam. He was the one man. He invented the original jam, and we've been getting at it ever since. Okay? And it says, through one man's sin entered the world, and death through sin. And thus, death spread to all, because all have sinned. So, what is it saying? It's saying, look, because Adam gave you a nature, and that nature was contrary to the ways of God. It was contrary to His righteousness, and it was the ways of sin. And He says, God, you've inherited Adam's nature, the sin nature. And because you have that nature, you sin. That's the fruit of that nature. And that's why God says, but I've got to give you a new heart, because with that new heart comes a new nature. Do you get it? Do you see why Jesus had to go to the root of it, not just the fruit of it? See, when he deals with the root, which is here, he deals with the fruit, which is here. And that's what Jeremiah seventeen nine says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So Jesus said, because of that, I'm going to give you a new heart. Amazing. God works. He doesn't want to deal with just our actions. He wants to deal with our thoughts, our minds, our affirmations, our loves, our desires. He wants to reach every part of us. You know... Like dealing with sin, if it was just a legal matter, the law could cover certain things. But you know, it's like, it's like dealing with something in my heart, is like, it's like having a virus and taking a shower, you know? It's just, you're just going to wash on the outside, but you're not going to deal with that what's in the in, inside, like Zuma, you know? <laughs> Try and deal with something. You can have your showers, but that doesn't deal with sin. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that. It's in our bloodstream. It's in the cells. It's in the fabric of us. And sin reigns. And, th- and that's why Ephesians 2.9 says, You can't be justified by works, lest anyone should boast. Your works doesn't make you clean. Romans 3.24, it says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight doesn't matter how much you do, doesn't matter how many good works you do, you will never be justified before the Lord. And it was powerless. This law is powerless. I want to say you can keep up with all the religious duties. That in itself is powerless. You might even be here at church today because you might feel, well, it might help me stand in good place towards the law. Can I say that's going to be works? That's the law telling you, if you just do more, if you just be a better husband, if you just be a better wife, just a good person that comes to church every now and then, that's law. That doesn't make you, that doesn't count to you towards anything. In fact, Romans 8.3 says this, for what the law could not do in that it was weak, through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so Jesus has done a redemptive work on the cross. Did you know that? He did, he, he, and, and He completed that work on the cross. Did you know that? When He said, it is finished, He said, your sin and my sin is paid in full. Now, that's part of the gospel that I've shared now, but there's another part of the gospel that I want to share. You see, Jesus' earthly ministry was completed on the cross, but Jesus also has a heavenly ministry. Did you know that? Who knows that? Jesus is at work. You know, sometimes we think, oh, well, so when He ascended, remember He sat at the right hand of the Father, and we think, oh, well, that's it. Jesus is just sitting down with His arms folded watching what's happening. That's not what he's doing. He hasn't been inactive for 2,000 years. He's still active. He's still active now. He's still busy. He's still busy doing a work. So, well, what did he mean when he said it is finished at the cross? What is he doing now? No, that was his earthly ministry, yes. What he did on earth was complete. It was fulfilled. The price was paid. It was complete in itself, but he's doing something still. And I want to explain that because it just helps us Understand where we are today. What is, what is our understanding of part of the redemptive work of Christ? And so Hebrews 7, 25 says, Therefore, we also are able to, he's also able to save to the uttermost. Now that word uttermost means to save completely. Now I just want you to think about this. I thought, I thought the work of the cross I'm saved completely, yes. But You're also not saved completely. Now, I know I'm treading on on, on a scary place here for some, especially the theologians. But listen, it says, to the uttermost, those who come to God through Him since always lives to make intercession. Okay, let's talk about Jesus. He's making intercession for you and I. Do you know that? So Jesus is not doing nothing. He's busy interceding for us. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his sins, and then for the people uh, for this, did once for all, when he offered up himself. Now, let's turn to 1 John 2, verses 1. I'll give you that one. Okay, no, no, it's fine. Sorry, I thought I gave you that one. It says, my children, I'm writing these things to you that you will not sin. Now, hang on. I thought I'm not a sinner anymore. No, I'm not a sinner anymore. I've been cleansed by Jesus, but I can still sin. A lot of people have this view that because now I've received Christ, I'm, you know, everything I do now, even if it's sin, it's not sin. No, that would be stupid. That would be blind. John wouldn't, John wouldn't be urging us not to sin if, if, if that was automatic. And he says this, uh, that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, okay, so do you, do you understand what John's saying? He says, I don't want you to sin, but, but if you do, no, hang on, John, but, but I'm, I'm always righteous. It can't be in John's eyes. Says, but if you do sin, we have this advocate before the Father, Jesus the righteous one Jesus is our advocate he's our lawyer you know it's like don't talk to me talk to my lawyer it's like he's constantly at the right hand of the father but you know the same way Jesus is our advocate he only works through a legal process did you know satan Jesus is the advocate he's the defender but did you know satan is the accuser. He's the prosecutor. And he prosecutes you. The Bible says, and you can turn to uh, Revelation 12.10. Read this. It says, then I heard a loud voice saying in the heaven, now salvation and strength in the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ has come for the accuser. Now that's Satan of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. You know the accuser? Satan comes before the Lord day and night, before the Lord, to accuse you of what you're doing wrong. But you might say, well, no, no, isn't that now past that he's been cast out? I believe this is still in the process. You know why? And I'm going to prove it. Jesus is constantly the one defending us as the advocate. This is a court case going on. And I'll explain now because I think we need to realize the accuser is constantly coming and accusing you. He not only accuses you and tells you lies. Well, when you do sin, he'll, he'll bring a condemnation that comes with that. But he also goes to the Father. And we see that in Job. Remember Job? Remember when he, when he was, it says, the, 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 sons, the sons of God came to heaven. And, they came and it says they bring their, their things before the Lord. Satan was among them. What was he doing there? Well, he was there to accuse. And he says, "Ah!" Oh, God says to Satan, have you seen my son, Job? Check my boy key. Look how much faith he's got. And Satan goes, yeah, but Lord, you've blessed him. You've just given him everything. That's why he loves you. And God allows him to go through a test, allows Job to go through a test to say, look, I know Job. And I know he's going to love me regardless of the trials and the tribulations that he goes through. And we all know the story. Job goes through that. And Satan challenges, and he, and he robs from Job, and he takes things, and but God says to him, but you will not touch a head on his head, his hair on his head, and, uh, but he goes through all the trials, and I want to say this, there's some of us, we go through the trials, we go through all these things, we've been tested, it's the testing of our faith, but the point I want to make is that the accuser comes day and night, but the thing is, the, 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 the beautiful thing is, we have an advocate in Jesus, but I want to say, would you agree with me? Satan wouldn't come to God. Would it would be pointless if he came to God, and God says, no, but my son's covered everything. Why, why would you want to go to God? Why would you want to accuse? Because you know, okay, the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ, you know, that's not fair, Lord, because I can bring anything, and you're just going to say it's, it didn't happen, and, and, and your son's covered it. Now, that is true, but it's also not true, and I want to explain this to you. I want to I want to give you a scripture that's going to actually explain the whole legal processes that's going on in heaven. Because like I said, Satan needs grounds to come before the Lord to accuse you. It's a legal process. Okay. <clears throat> okay, 1 John. I want, to, I want us to look at 1 John 1, verses 5. And I'm going to... Look at this. This is the message which you have heard from Him declares to you, God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if you walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Listen to this. And, where am I? And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. But if we say that we do not have have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, now this is the key of us before our advocate. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, the process is for us now. Yes, Christ has delivered me from my past sins. But the sins that I commit... I need to confess. I need to bring it. I need to confess. So the Bible says, confess your sins one to another. But I thought the blood of Christ covered that. No, but the Bible still says we are to do that. Why? Because in this confession, the blood of Christ washes me clean. It's like it comes before the advocate being Jesus. And Jesus says, ah, oh, look, God, Stephen did repent. And he has the results. And he shows his hands and he shows his feet And he says, This is the result. He has been cleansed because of what I did on the cross. You see see how the processes work. So Satan's going to accuse him when he sins, but when Stephen repents, his advocate defends him. He intercedes for Stephen. That's why repentance is an ongoing thing, it's not a once off church. And this is what makes this scripture so much more powerful. I think people misquote the scripture without this understanding of what I've just shared now. And that's in Romans 8.31. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And uh, did I give you the rest of it? Not. Okay, let me carry on reading. It says this. For he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up For us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, then it says this, who shall bring a charge, okay? Now, that word charge is a legal term, okay, against God's elect. If God just, who justifies, remember, we've been justified through the Son and through our advocate, Jesus, we've been justified, who is he who condemns, it is Christ who died and furthermore is risen, who is even the, at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Do you, do you see that? Do you see what he's saying here? You see, we often like to quote the scripture, if God is for me, who can be against me? But I'll carry on doing my thing. But actually, God's against you. Never mind Satan. You know, we can live in sin and think God's for me. Who can, who can don't you condemn me? You know, God doesn't condemn no. We, we take that out of context. You see, when we live in a place of repentance, when we live in the place of light, then you can stand on the ground and say, who can bring a charge against me? You see, I can stand on a conviction and know that, yes, I've, I've, I've messed up in so many ways. But in those moments that I mess up, that I can bring it before people and say, please, I, I, I've seen in my heart that I've messed up. But you know what the other thing is? You know what the beautiful thing is? I know that when these guys walk with me and they they help me process these things, I know I can walk away and know that 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 charge will not stick. I have a subpoena, but you know what? Jesus got rid of it for me. But I can't say that if I carry on living in my sin. And I want to say, church, and, and, and just in closing, I want to end like this. There's going to be some here that the charges will stick. Because you're not living in repentance. You're not walking in the light. Those charges will stick. God is loving. He's caring. He's kind. He's merciful. But that doesn't come at the expense that He's a righteous judge. And He's just. They are both the nature of God. And so that is the full gospel this morning. And I want to ask this morning... Maybe some of you, I don't want to presume that everybody here have come to the place where we've received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Can I ask this morning that we all just close our eyes before Him? And just as I've been sharing, maybe the Holy Spirit's been convicting you in some sins in your life, things that you know ultimately lead to death. Things in your heart, not only actions, but things in your heart. Thoughts, mindsets, you know that you're in bondage. In bondage to to things that hold you back. Things that that, that are sin. The Bible says it very clearly. But the wages of those sin, the Bible says, is death. And the reason I'm bringing that up this morning is because that sin, that thing, doesn't just make you a bad person now and then. But that sin will lead to death. It might be good for a moment. It might have its pleasure. But there's going to come a day where you're going to be judged on that thing if it hasn't been brought into the light and confessed to your Lord and Savior. And so maybe you've never even made Jesus as Lord and Savior today. I want to ask you, can I ask that you be bold today?